Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the 49ers Access Podcast. My name is Sterling Bennett, and this is episode number 76 of the podcast. I know it's been a long time since we've talked, but a lot has happened. Devo Samuel wants out. Is he going to return? Is he going to play next year? The draft is tomorrow. Round one is tomorrow. We have to talk about what's going to happen with Debo Samuel. A trade that I do think does happen, and I will give you my final non-Debo-esque mock draft prior to round one of the NFL draft, the 2022 NFL draft that is tomorrow, Thursday, April 28th. So let's dive right in to what has been the biggest story of the offseason so far. I'm sure like yourself, I was someone who thought after last year's debacle of Trey Lance or Mac Jones or Justin Fields, is Jimmy Garoppolo going to get traded? I think we all thought, oh, thank God this is behind us. All the big headlines, all the players winning out of the trade rumors, it's all behind us now. Well, (laughs) just not the case at all. And in fact, while maybe not as volatile as last offseason was, this is much more serious. This isn't going from a veteran quarterback that has limitations to a young quarterback who you hopefully can be your Mahomes or Josh Allen type of guy if you believe what George Kittle has to say. This is losing, potentially losing, your biggest offensive weapon in Timbo Samuel. And I don't know if the Niners can afford to do that. That being said, let's look at every scenario starting with the three reports we actually have. Because the biggest issue with the offseason so far, uh, when it comes to Debo Samuel requesting a trade per reports, is that we don't know what the truth actually is. Did Debo say, John Lynch, Jed York, Kyle Shanahan, I'm requesting a trade? Did he do it through his agent? Who Did someone make an offer somewhere? Did someone make a counteroffer? What exactly is going on? So let's talk about the first report that happened. The first report was Debo Samuel isn't happy and is requesting a trade. The initial thought was, what? Like, okay, this is out of nowhere, it's out of the blue. Then we realized after Debo Samuel had scrubbed his Instagram of Niner photos, only leaving the Debo Samuel all pro uh, picture on there, kind of sending a message saying, hey, look, pay me. Then we get other things coming out, right? We get the leaked audio Uh, of his mom on, I believe it was TikTok or Facebook, something like that. And you hear Debo in the back talking to AJ Brown. It it just seems like everything was pointing towards Debo Samuel being disgruntled. And again, it, it was so hard to kind of make, have an idea of what was actually happening. Because we haven't heard from Debo the entire offseason, and he has no reason to even talk to us. It's none of our business, right? We're just fans. But we got no indication from John Lynch or Kyle Shanahan, even Jed York, uh, up until John Lynch's press conference this past Monday, that being, what, April 25th. And so let's start from the beginning. Let's start and try to make sense of the whole thing and dive into the theories and every single angle of this. 
And before we begin, you can use promo code 49ERSACCESS, 49ERS, E-R-S-A-C-C-E-S-S, for $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek, whether you're a baseball fan, the NBA playoffs are currently happening, or you're getting ready for the 49ers 2022-2023 season, you can save money. It's always a good deal. Promo code 49ers Access, 49ERSACCESS at SeatGeek.com. All right, let's jump into this stuff now because it's huge, right? So the first report that came out was essentially Tony Pauline of the Pro Football Network, who has kind of been the bigger reporter saying much this offseason about Debo Samuel. And first I want to say Pauline's been wrong before, right? Uh, there are some inconsistencies at time in his reporting. It's not to discredit him. He could be totally on uh, on target with this stuff. But just to say that these are rumors. It's draft season. It's an agent and a player who want to get paid versus a team that maybe doesn't want to pay him as much. So take it with a grain of salt. So Pauline reports that the Niners offered Debo Samuel around $19 million per year. But Debo Samuel is asking for around $25 million per year, uh, wanting to be, if not the highest paid, one of the highest paid non-quarterbacks in the NFL. That in itself, to me, makes a lot of sense. In any negotiation, the team that maybe wants to pay the player is going to start low. Now, if you're watching Pawn Stars, which I think was popular about a decade ago at this point, uh, they're always starting off, the, the the person who wants the, the deal might say, well, I want $500. Well, they're going to retort and say, I'll give you 200 And that guy's going to go, oh, you know, I, I really got to do 350 And they'll go, okay, deal. Because they want to have the best, they want to get the best end of the offer. And so the Niners starting off low, any negotiation makes a lot of sense. George Kittle's agent said that their first uh, offer they were given by the Niners was the Valentine's Day Massacre, right? It was a massacre-esque kind of deal because it was such a low ball that they kind of took it as disrespectful. Like, how do you respond to this? And so that's one report, that it was $19 million per year on the table, and Debo Samuel said, no, I want $25 million per year. The other report is that the Niners didn't offer him anything. And they said, look, we're not going to pay you until we deem it necessary. You're our player until you're not, and we'll pay you when we want to. Now, if that's true, I can see why Debo is upset, right? I can see why Debo Samuel is saying, hey, look, like, Really? Like, you're going to speak to me that way? And of course, maybe the verbiage isn't exactly how that was communicated to him. But out of all the scenarios, this is the one that, to me, would lead to Debo Samuel being somewhat disgruntled, right? Or wanting out of San Francisco. But in that, to take the Niners side here, I can see them saying, hey, look, Debo, we want to pay you. We're going to pay you. It's just going to have to be on our time. The draft's coming up. We don't have enough money to even pay our draft class yet. So give us some time. We'll figure things out. Jimmy Garoppolo is still on the team, and that money, $26 million, is still out there that we can try to get rid of. Uh, Alex Mack may or may not retire. That'll free up some money for us. We don't want to have to deal with a distraction or having to pay or draft a receiver while also having to draft a center a right, maybe even left guard, a safety, an edge rusher. Like, we have so much on our plate right now. Just give us some time. We'll figure this thing out. Stand pat. We'll pay you. But I can also see Debo saying, I have to wait for someone who's never taken a snap in the NFL to get paid. When I had, if not the best year of any receiver last season, I also had one of the greatest receivers from a receiver slash running back slash wide back of all time. I created a brand new position and I have to wait to get paid? No. Like, I can see how he, you know, has the idea in his head, if this indeed is what he has in his head, of that's disrespectful. Haven't I shown you for the past four seasons, three seasons, that I am everything and more? Then the second round pick you used on me? 
And the Niners will probably have to say, I mean, yeah, you're right, but be quiet. <laughs> like, we're going to do our thing. We're going to pay you, but I can see how Debo can get upset about that. The other report, and I think this is the craziest one, unless Debo is just stuck in cement, isn't going to budge, won't move, if he is so certain that he does not want to play in San Francisco any longer, he's done. The other report, the final report was that Debo Samuel told the Niners, Lynch, Shanahan, Prague, York, do not even give me an offer. I'm not playing here whatsoever. Now, this to me is the biggest stretch because if you're Debo, you want to know what you're worth, right? And while he does have some leverage in regards to forcing a trade, uh, seeing how much you know draft capital the Niners can get back for him, he also just saw Stefan Diggs and Tyreek Hill get paid, so he has somewhat of an idea. But you at least want to have the offer on the table to know the team you're currently playing for, how do they value you? Because there are certain times that a team that you're currently on might value you more than the teams that may want you on the open market or via trade. I mean, I think we're seeing this with Jimmy Garoppolo, right? The rumors were that the Niners wanted a second-round pick and more for Jimmy Garoppolo. That never happened, albeit the shoulder injury did play a part in that. We know that now. But, again, the Niners likely, in what seems to be the case, overvalued Jimmy Garoppolo on the market. And the same could be the case for Debo. Thus, I really don't think that this rumor report of Debo saying, don't give me an offer, is true. Now, unless he wants out. Like, that's the case. Unless he's so angry, so disrespected, that he just doesn't want to play in California, he hates the Niners. Like, whatever the case may be, unless he's completely done, this is, like, this report just doesn't seem true. Because as an agent, as a player, you want to gauge every single angle, every single aspect of, well, I can get $25 million here, I can get three years here, but I'm only going to get $22 million. Like, you want to know every single angle of your worth, every single aspect, how every single team views you. Now, the issue with all the reports is there's no clarity. If you're asking me, I do think San Francisco gave him an offer from people I've talked to. They've all said the same thing, that the Niners want to get a deal done. Whether it's Rap Sheet, who I obviously have not talked to, or people that I have talked to that have somewhat of a connection, they've all said the Niners want to get a deal done. That being said, I think to a certain point, what I choose to believe is, yes, the Niners want to get a deal done. But they also want it to be after the draft, like everything else they've done. Kittle, Warner, uh, Armstead. Like, it's very rare that they pay a player pre-draft. They may trade a player pre-draft, a.k.a. DeForest Buckner, but they realize that they could not pay him, Armstead, and bring back four other guys. The only reason why, and I hate that people keep using this comparison of, well, they traded Buckner, the only reason they did that was to pay other people, to keep 99% of the team intact. This is not the same situation. Buckner wanted to stay here. Buckner wanted to be here in San Francisco. The issue was, the Niners said Armstead had a breakout year. We want to be able to bring back Kittle and Warner eventually. We don't have the money right now. And we want to retain the majority of our near Super Bowl championship team. And Buckner's contract was going to take up the majority of that cap space. They could not financially make that deal. With Debo from what we understand or we think we understand, he wants out. But from the Niners' perspective, they don't have anybody else to pay or need to pay big money to outside of the draft class. I think they have about, what, 75 players in the current roster or something like that. Like They're up against you know, the threshold, I believe, of 90 going into training camp. So it's not like they have to pay a handful of people. Lynch and Shanahan and even Jed York have said, that Debo Samuel and Nick Bosa's uh, contract extensions have been budgeted for. So I don't think that going into this, Niners said, we're not going to give you an offer. 
I just think they're saying, just be patient. Fred Warner said, we've all been through this, the guys that got extensions, you know, Kittle, Warner, Armstead, you just got to be patient. Even today, Richard Sherman said today, who, again, let me remind you, Sherman was his own agent when he signed here in 2018. He represented himself. He knows what Parag does more than anybody else in the building. He was his own agent. He had to negotiate his own deal. And he said today that Parag probably haggled him, you know, probably gave him a lowball offer just to see where the mind of Debo Samuel's at. Because let's be clear here, no team that is in negotiations or representation, they don't want to be the first one to offer a deal. You never want to be the first person to offer a deal. It takes away power from you. If Debo Samuel walks in and goes, I want $25 million, the Niners go, excuse me? You're worth 19. You're worth 20. But if the Niners, from Debo's perspective, say, you're worth 19, he can go, no freaking way. I want out of here. I want to get traded, forcing their hand to pay him more money. So it's not as if the Niners are sitting there saying, we're not going to pay him. They want to pay him. And that's why I choose to believe that the Niners are going to get this thing done. I do not personally believe Debo Samuel is going to get traded. Now, with that being said, reports came out last night, again, per Tony Pauline, that the Jets have this godfather deal in the works, right? You know, what does that mean? It's the offer they can't refuse. Of course, and including myself, because you want to have the most information at hand and in your brain to have knowledge about this stuff, you report it, you put it out there on Twitter, you go, hey, look what I found, look what's being said, and that makes the fan base go crazy, right? Well, they're going to give us the 4th overall pick, and the 10th overall pick, and the 35th pick, and the 38th pick, and the 69th pick, and Elijah Moore, and a first-round pick next year, you're not getting that for Debo Samuel. I'm sorry. Now, the Jets have been reported to say that they will give up the 10th overall pick. Okay, well... I'm not someone who believes that you're going to get, you know, a 10th overall pick this year and a first round pick next year and a 35th overall pick this year and a second round pick next year and Elijah Moore. Why would the Jets do that to themselves? Let me remind you, the Jets are trying to rebuild, to build a, a franchise continual perennial contender with Sala and LaFleur and Joe Douglas. They're a young team. Zach Wilson's there. Mekhi Becton's there. Elijah Moore is there. They have a young team in which they're, you know, Quinn, Quinn Williams is there. They have a young team they're trying to build up to be a contender in a fairly good division. The Dolphins uh, are kind of in a make or break year, but they're at least competitive. The Patriots are going to be good. They got Belichick and Mac Jones, and that offense is still there. That defense is still there. And of course, the Bills, they, they were. A botched overtime, botched fourth quarter away from beating the Chiefs, and they probably would have beat the Bengals to go to the Super Bowl. Like, they're in a good division. Why would they say, we'll give you, you know, two first-round draft picks, a second-round pick, you know, all these high-end draft capital for one player who, and no offense to Debo, he's not going to make them beat the Dolphins twice a year. Maybe once, but he's not going to help them beat the Bills twice and the Patriots twice. Like, Debo Samuel himself is not going to do so much for the Jets. They become a contender next year. That's not what's going to happen. So if I'm the Jets, I may give you 10. And I may even give you a pick 38. I may also give you a second-round pick next year. Maybe even a fifth-round pick. But I ain't giving you two first, pick 38, pick 69... A second round pick. I'm not giving you this entire haul where I'm backing the bring truck up on top of having to give you all the picks. Then I'm paying Debo Samuel. It's not going to happen. A realistic trade offer to me for Debo Samuel would be number 10, the 38th pick, a second round pick next year, and a fifth round pick. And the Niners may have to pitch in, you know, pick 187 or 220. 221, something to at least give the Jets a more enticing offer to go, okay, we can depart with, you know, a huge amount of draft capital. So, everything last night was leaning towards this is going to happen. 
the Jets are going to get this thing done. And people were asking me, you know, what do you think, you know, like 50-50 now? And I was like, yeah, I'm still thinking 60 to 40 that Debo Samuel stays. But then I woke up today. I did mock drafts all last night. It was like, you know, who could replace Debo Samuel? Who's the guy that if the Niners did indeed trade Debo Samuel? Because that's the question, right? What do the Niners do with the 10th overall pick if this deal happens to go through? Let's be under the assumption that at least they get pick number 10. I do not think Debo Samuel is getting traded. I think he's going to stay. I just think somehow, some way, San Francisco gets this thing done. I think Kyle Shanahan, and let's be very clear here, Kyle Shanahan would have taken Debo Samuel in the first round had they not had the number two overall pick and got Nick Bosa. Kyle Shanahan loves Debo Samuel that much. Like, their relationship goes back to the Senior Bowl where he coached him prior to the draft. They met there, and the relationship has gotten so so much stronger, they meet almost every day after practice to discuss routes, running back roles, receiver roles, and just football and life in general. Like, I have a hard time believing that that Debo Samuel wants to leave that on a team where you're assumed to be a contender every single year, going to be in a championship, you know, contending role every single year if Trey Lance does pan out. You're going to be the number one receiver on this team. Like, we've got a glimpse of it you know, versus the Texans last year of what this offense could look like. Like, I don't think Debo Samuel wants to lead that. I think this whole thing is just kind of a, a big agent move because let's be clear here. The Niners' timeline to move Debo Samuel is Wednesday, April 27th to the Jets' number 10 overall pick on Thursday night, day one of the NFL draft. They have roughly a little over 24 hours, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. They have 24 hours to make this thing happen. As soon as the Jets make a selection at 10, it's done, it's over, Debo Samuel's not getting moved. He's not. Because as soon as the Jets pick at 10, unless there's some other team that's coming out there, you know, the Ravens or the Saints or the Eagles, whatever, like whoever it may be, like, as soon as those teams pick in the first round, it's done. The Niners are not going to sit back and go, yes, we'll give you our best offensive player, if not our best all-around player, maybe outside Nick Bosa, and maybe even Fred Warner, but at least our best offensive player. And we're also going to sit back and wait an entire year to have a first-round draft pick. After trading away two of them for Trey Lance. They're not going to do that. If you're the Niners, you lose in that situation. You have lost in that situation. Like, again, as soon as number 10 overall pick goes by and Debo ain't traded, he's staying here. No matter how much he likes that or not, how disgruntled he is, uh, he ain't getting moved. And the Niners, if let's say the Niners are saying, look, Debo wants out, we can't keep him, he's he's pissed, he's disgruntled at us, he's mad, uh, we can't afford to keep him here, he's causing issues, I don't think he will cause issues, he's a great guy. But let's say he is, right? Well, then the Niners have 24 hours to get this thing figured out. And I want to throw you a little tidbit here. I put it on Twitter yesterday, and Matt Barros of The Athletic had this. But the Niners, and I have no idea who these prospects are. No idea who they could be, uh, where their draft round value could be. They could be all fourth-round picks for all I know. But they did tell agents that do not let the media or people know we brought in your client for a pre-draft visit. The Niners had about 18 to 20 pre-draft visits known to us this year. You get 30. So an assumed 10 to 12 prospects uh, snuck in the back door of the Niners facility and met with them pre-draft. These guys could be big-name receivers because they know Debo's out, right? They know that, right? If you know, if that's the case, it it could be your, you know, your Garrett Wilsons, your, your Chris Olave's, 
your John Mechies, your Jamison Williams, your Traylon Burks. It could be those guys. Or it can be a fifth-round pick. Or it can be guys like, let's see here, or it can be guys like Jason Poe, who we know visited them, Tyson Chandler, Jack Jones from Arizona State, Quentin Lake, who is an underrated safety in this year's draft. It can be guys like that. But all I'm letting you know is that there are a certain handful of prospects, ranging from top-end guys to seventh-round picks, that snuck in the back door we do not know about. And maybe that's indication they think Debo is going to be gone, and they had to kind of secretly, you know, work out receiver prospects that are going to be there at ten, they're at thirteen, they're at eighteen. Who knows where they're going to draft this year if they do indeed trade Debo? But that being said, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think they're trading Debo Samuel. But again, going back to what I was going to start off earlier, who can replace Debo Samuel? The question is nobody. You're not going to get somebody like Debo Samuel. Or you're not going to get Debo Samuel 2.0. But let's first work under the assumption that they want somebody like Debo Samuel. Somebody that can do some Debo Samuel-esque things. Not Debo, but someone that can, if they need him to, do something like Debo. Where the offense doesn't change, you know, it's not a complete overhaul of taking Debo out of it. Let's put someone in there that can do some Debo-like things. My pick, if they do indeed, and people ran through me last night, and I want, I want to clarify... I said at number 10, Traylon Burks is the guy, the receiver from Arkansas. Now, I understand people might say, number 10 for Traylon Burks, you can get him in the late teens and the 20s. I agree. But when it comes to the first round, a lot of teams pick guys they can envision being something else or guys they deem to be a fit. There's a reason why the Eagles, and it was a bad move, but there's a reason why the Eagles and even the Niners went and got Ayuk and Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson. More so the Eagles and the Niners, but you can get my point here, right? There's a reason that Jerry Judy went before CeeDee Lamb. And I think Lamb is far and away the better receiver in this class so far. Like, there's a reason that Jerry Judy and even CeeDee Lamb, if you're not a fan of his, went before Justin Jefferson. They view these guys. And when there's so many clumped up receivers, a team like San Francisco might say, hey, look, uh, we value Traylon Burks more because he can do things in our offense, is more versatile than, say, a guy like Garrett Wilson, who, in my opinion, is the clear and cut number one receiver. He has no injuries. He can work on the inside, the outside. He's a deep threat. He can work in the flat and the slant. He's phenomenal. Or maybe a guy like uh, Jamison Williams, who had a torn ACL last year and didn't do much. Or someone like George Pickens, who's a big receiver, that can do some things. Like, number 10, if you're the Niners, you got to pick the guy that best fits you. Not the guy who you think is the better all-around receiver. Now, you can t- pick top-end talent, and if you deem someone like a Williams or a Garrett Wilson as that guy, by all means, go ahead. But to me, if the Niners do indeed trade Debo Samuel, they have three options. Just three. One... You take Traylon Burks, the guy who can do Debo-esque things. Number two, you take the clear-cut, easy, number one receiver in this draft, Garrett Wilson. He is the best receiver by far. He, He will take the top off the offense. He will open the offense. He can do things like a Justin Jefferson can do. That's Garrett Wilson. And it might be the best pick unless you want, again, someone like a Burks who can do some Debo-esque things. The third option is trading back. And the only reason why I would say trading back at number 10 is indeed if Alex Mack Alex Mack is going to retire. And the only reason why I say that is because if you trade back, you can get further draft picks, obviously, whether it's this year or next year, but you can set yourself up to completely retool the offensive line, which I said before is the most important aspect of the Shanahan offense. If Trent Williams goes down, you may be able to find a guy to plug him there for one game, but you got to protect him. 
But if you lose in one entire offseason, Lakin Tomlinson, Alex Smack, and you may have to move Brunskill around, you lost Tom Compton, who was a band-aid for McGlinchey, who's returning from the quad injury, which, even if he's there, uh, he's a little inconsistent sometimes. So, you may be going into next year with four, and if not four, you're going in there with three entirely new offensive linemen, and that's something you can't do. Now, it seems as if Aaron Banks is their guy at left guard. That's great. But if you're at 10, you trade back to a team who might value someone, you know, maybe a receiver or a quarterback, and maybe it's Pittsburgh. Maybe it's the Saints. Maybe it's the Eagles who want a receiver. Or, or, or a certain receiver on the board. Trade back to, to 13 or 18. Let them get their guy. Then you can get Tyler Linderbaum, the center out of Iowa, He can replace Alex Mack. Then you have yourself set up to get maybe a safety in the second round. Albeit, I don't think they're going to pick a safety early in this draft. I just don't think. You listen to that press conference of John Lynch, the way he talked about George Odom, Tavarius Moore is back. It just didn't seem like they believe that Odom is not a starting caliber player. And let's not forget... Tart's still out there. Like, once Jimmy's gone, Tart's still there. So there's still a possibility there for maybe a safety signing later in a free agency closer to camp once Jimmy is then traded or released, whatever the case may be. But that being said, trade back at 10, get your center. Maybe you can go get Dylan Parham from Memphis in the second round at 61 or even earlier. And you can find your receiver in the second round. Maybe it's John Mechie who was a little inconsistent, but it was still there. Maybe it is your Christian Watson, who I do think is wildly overvalued. Maybe it's your edge rusher. Maybe it's Kingsley from South Carolina, who, again, I think is should be a fifth-round pick, not a second-round guy, in my opinion. Uh, it's like PFF just said, he had a lot of pressures. And you said, okay, that's how you're valuing him? And they said, yep, that, that's it, and didn't watch tape or anything. Maybe they want a, a D'Angelo Malone, an edge rusher like who they have business with today. I don't know what the plan is, and I'll do my best to kind of go over it with you later in the podcast. But if you're at ten, you got three options: Burks, Garrett Wilson, or trading back, because you got a lot of holes to fill. Not many, but really important ones: center, right guard, maybe left guard, maybe a cornerback. Although, again, I do think they value this secondary more so than I think we do. I think they're very comfortable going into next year with Ward, Mosley, Thomas, Lenore, Dante Johnson, and a late-round draft pick on top of Jimmy Ward, Tavarius Moore, George Odom, and Hufanga playing safety. It's my opinion. That may change come tomorrow night, maybe round two or three, but we will see. But I do think Debo Samuel stays. I I just don't think he's going anywhere. Kyle Shanahan will walk into that room. And let's say John Lynch and Prague and York are discussing trade. He will walk in there, flip that table over, say, hang up the phone. We're re-signing Debo. Get him in here. Let's have a kumbaya roundtable circle talk and get this thing figured out. Like, like... (laughs) The idea of trading Debo Samuel, while I do think you can replace him, not not the production instantly, I do think you can get a receiver that can fit the offense, you know, just as well. Maybe be able to do some different things. Maybe the offense becomes more vertical with Lance playing quarterback. There are so many things you can do in this draft, whether it's Burks or Wilson or Mechie, or Danny Gray. Like, there are plenty of guys out there that can add value to your team. But I do think going into year, essentially one of Trey Lance, let's be honest here, you don't want to lose your number one offensive weapon for him. You want to give him every chance to succeed. Look at what the Giants are doing with Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones, to me, is not that good. He He's fine. Not a franchise guy, we know this. But look at what they did. They gave him a handful of receivers, tight ends, running backs. Granted, injuries hurt that team big time last year, but they gave him the weapons around him to succeed. It didn't work. Now they're discussing 
a fifth-year option for Jones. We don't know. Like, you have to give Trey Lance, knowing he sat for one whole year, it speeds that process up in regards to finding out who he is. And trading Debo Samuel, to me, you can't do that when you're trying to figure out who Trey Lance still is. Now, they're a full go. He's a starter from what we understand. But with that said, you don't want to go into next year essentially with Ayuk, who still has to prove himself, albeit did show some flashes with Lance playing quarterback. Kittle, who's one of the best tight ends in football. And then maybe an unknown, really good prospect playing receiver. You want to have Debo there, then add behind those guys. Like, the Niners have star power. The issue last year essentially was their depth. If Debo goes down, what's going to happen? If Mitchell goes down in, in the backfield, well, Sherman's not playing very well. Wilson's hurt. Mostert's hurt. Debo, you've got to play running back. Like, Debo was almost the entirety of the offense last year because he had to be. You don't want to lose that. And Debo knows this. That's why he essentially is uh, pushing for a quote-unquote trade. And I think he is wanting to get traded, but that being said... It, all it takes is one conversation, and everything gets changed. Unless he is so far gone, then he's saying, no, I'm out. I'm out. But now I want to move to a move that I do think happens. A move that I think we've all been wanting to happen for a while. It, it's a move that, again, I, I love this guy. <laughs> I really do. But I think it's time for Jimmy Garoppolo to get moved. And I think it's very clear that there's only one team for him. And that's the Carolina Panthers. And Jonathan Jones of CBS Sports said today that one, he doesn't see Debo Samuel getting traded. So there's that. But also that he sees, whether it's during the draft, it could linger after the draft, that the Panthers want to trade back, which is great for San Francisco. They can get some picks. Or... The Panthers can have some picks to spare. <laughs> um, but also, the Panthers do not want to pick a quarterback at number 6. And I don't blame them. The quarterbacks in this draft suck. Kenny Pickett is maybe, maybe Jimmy G. Maybe. Maybe he's Baker Mayfield. Maybe. At the most, at the most, he's a discount Ryan Tannehill. At the most. Malik Willis, the upside's there, for sure. The upside is 100% there. But Malik Willis, he may need two years to get ready. He does not, when Malik Willis runs, he does not run to find a passing lane. He runs to run. <laughs> like, as soon as that ball is tucked under his arm, he's not passing anymore. He has to go to the perfect situation. That might be Pittsburgh. But if you're a team like Carolina or the Falcons who don't have an offensive line, don't have the weapons for him, you're going to ruin this kid who may have really good potential. But a team like Pittsburgh who has Trubisky who isn't that good, but you have Trubisky and you have the right situation around him, you have fairly good receivers, you have a Class A organization, a one of the best head coaches of the last 20 years in Mike Tomlin, an organization that knows what they're doing, that makes a lot of sense to me. Even if you're the Saints who have weapons there, a fairly good offensive line, and also a Class A organization, those two make a lot more sense than Carolina and Atlanta. That being said, guys like Matt Corral and Carson Strong, if his impingement in his knee can actually heal, uh, those guys to me are far better uh, for day one instant guys than Pickett. And the reason why I say that is because if you're Carolina and you're Matt Rule in that you know that regime there who is kind of one year away, this is kind of their last year to prove themselves, or they're going to get fired, you've already traded for Sam Darnold, a young quarterback who was in a bad organization, uh, really didn't show much in New York, but you thought you can unleash the potential in him. Okay, <laughs> okay, but is Kenny Pickett any better than Sam Darnold? That That's a gamble at six. That's a big gamble at six. So if I'm Carolina, I'm trading back. They already want to do so. They can beef up the offensive line, which they already want to do so. And 
they can get some extra picks. To me, a fourth-round pick this year and a conditional third-round pick next year nets you Jimmy Garoppolo. If the Niners are stubborn about that, that's their own fault and they're idiots. But if you're Carolina, that's easily doable. You have Sam Darnold, who if he proves himself, okay, you're the starter. And if the Niners can eat some money from Jimmy's contract with Jonathan Jones says that they will likely have to do, like, if they cut Jimmy today, they can save around, what, 20-something million dollars, right? Well, if they trade Jimmy and they save $18 million instead, okay, you get picks and you get rid of $18 million. That's a win-win. To me, that makes the most sense. Carolina against Garoppolo at a somewhat discounted price. Darnold can hold the fort down. They already said they're going to add to the quarterback room, but also they feel comfortable with Darnold still being in the room. They have the cap space to get Jimmy Garoppolo. If you can get him at a discounted price in San Francisco, can stop being stubborn, this deal can take place. Whether this weekend on draft weekend or next weekend post-draft where all the picks are next year in 2023, this deal to me gets done. It may not, by all means, but everything's lining up. They do not want Baker Mayfield. The Panthers have already said, we don't want Baker. Baker said, I don't want to go there really either. So that leaves Seattle for Baker and Carolina for Jimmy Garoppolo. Outside of that, every other quarterback in this draft is a project. Ritter, Willis, even Crow, Howe, Carson Strong, all these guys are going to need a year or two to be actual NFL starting caliber quarterbacks. Who can give you one year? Who can maybe save a regime? If you're the Panthers, you trade for Jimmy. You maybe give him an extension. The Niners eat some money. Discounted price for Jimmy Garoppolo. Get rid of some mid-round picks who Jimmy's going to come in and already be better than every other rookie you can draft this year. He can play well in a bad division, right? They have weapons there like DJ Moore that fits what Jimmy Garoppolo wants to do. He can maybe win you seven, eight games next year while you build around him. And then next year, you get your guy in a better quarterback class. I'm not predicting it. I just think Debo Samuel was going to be a Niner next year, hopefully for the next five years. And Jimmy Garoppolo, to me, whether this weekend or next weekend, I think he's going to be a Carolina Panther. <laughs> I'm not saying they're going to get Brian Burns, <laughs> but... I think they can get themselves some mid-round picks for Jimmy Garoppolo, and that way it benefits both teams. I think this deal does get done. And before we go today, I want to do a mock draft with you. I promised you about two months ago that we're going to do a mock draft, that I'm going to go through prospects. Life caught up with me. Warrior season got crazy. I've had to work a ton in the past two months, three months, and this things got away from me. I've tried to stay connected via social media and Twitter and Instagram. But right now, let's do a mock draft. Let's get the chime going, the NFL music going, and let's do our 2022 NFL mock draft. There are some rules with this mock draft. The first one is Debo Samuel's not getting traded. I did no trades, even with Jimmy after everything I just said. We're going to do a non-trade NFL mock draft. Trades are so hard to predict, and if Debo gets traded, then this podcast is already outdated, and I've been completely wrong, so who cares at that point? But again, no trades here. I think this makes the most sense. Uh, There are a couple things to keep in mind. Last year, San Francisco made it a point to hold visits with the majority of, if not all, of their draft picks last year. I think that still happens this year. And a lot of the guys they've had draft picks with, or excuse me, held visits with, are going to be in my mock draft. That being said, you may have questions. I also have questions about where guys are going to go because anytime you use one of these mock draft databases, and I'm sure you're big Diner fans, NFL fans, you've probably done some mock drafts out there. They aren't always correct. In fact, they're usually wrong. There are certain guys who are valued in the fourth round in a mock draft database or simulator, but are going to be second round picks. There are guys who are, you know, second round picks, 
but I may think they're a fifth-round pick. And so there are so many other angles you can look at here. So let's begin with pick 61 of the second round. I think this pick is easy. It's between two players, in my opinion. It's either Dylan Parham or Cam Jurgens. Uh, this depends on how you took John Lynch's statement. And when John Lynch spoke on Monday about Alex Mack, he kind of snuck in something about Daniel Brunskill. Oh, Daniel Brunskill can play center. And so it's the small stuff sometimes. Maybe I'm reading too much into it because they had a ton of meetings with Cam Jurgens. They really like him a lot. This pick could very easily be him. But I leaned Dylan Parham. I think they want Parham to play right guard. If Mac does retire, they will try to enforce center later on in this draft, or maybe via free agency. That being said, Parham can also play center as well, and guard. So maybe they go with Trent Williams, Aaron Banks, Dylan Parham, Brunskill, McGlinchey, or they can easily go Williams, Banks, Brunskill, Parham, McGlinchey, and they can figure out center later on in the draft. So the 61 overall pick is Memphis guard slash center Dylan Parham. He's strong, he's physical, he's athletic. What is the one thing the Niners want in their offensive lineman? Athleticism. Not to mention that Kyle Juszczyk last year, whether it was Jimmy Garoppolo, I think it was more so of the offense, Kyle Juszczyk kind of played this center-esque role, pointing out Mike linebackers, pointing out coverages, helping the quarterback. Juszczyk's still going to do that with Trey Lance, in my opinion, because he's a super smart guy, versatile guy. He knows what he's doing, and he can kind of help a young center as well as they learn in the offense. And if Parham is going to play center, uh, having Kyle Juszczyk there is only going to help him more. So pick 61, second round, Dylan Parham of the Memphis Tigers. The Niners' next pick doesn't happen until round three, pick 93. And when you look at this pick, it's tough because a lot of people, a lot of people have Kingsley, I believe it's Ngabe, Ngabe from South Carolina here. And that's only because PFF values pressures so much. But another player here that I think is wildly underrated and the Niners actually held a visit with him today, is D'Angelo Malone from Western Kentucky. He can play opposite Nick Bosa. He can fit in with Ture and Ebukam and Armstead and Kinlaw this year. I just think that what is the two things San Francisco values offensively and offensively? And it's really the same thing for both, but on both sides of the ball, they value trenches. Trench warfare is what this team values. If you want to help the secondary, again, I don't think they go safety early in this draft. You get an edge rusher. Get to the quarterback. You want to help the offensive line, what do you do? You protect Trey Lance getting a guard with your first pick. So I'm going D'Angelo Malone here. He's quick. He's speedy. He had almost the most pressures in college football last year in the short time he played. D'Angelo Malone is my guy at pick 93 in the third round. Got your guard, got your edge rusher, so what's next? Under the assumption Debo Samuel is going to stay in San Francisco, why not pick a guy that has reportedly hit it off with Leonard Hankerson, the Niners receivers coach, new this year, replacing Wes Welker? Why not pick the guy who can play in the slot? He's a burner. He's got good hands. He's a good route runner, and again, he already seemed to build a repertoire with the Niners receivers coach. That's Danny Gray from SMU. He's speedy, he's quick, he can be the slot guy. What's the one thing the Niners have lacked since Shanahan took over? A slot guy. Now, you can play slot a little bit, but you want to have him on the outside with Lance there, and Debo also on the outside. Juwan Jennings is the big, versatile kind of slot guy. But you want, you want to have a burner. You want to have a guy that can run past safeties. Danny Gray is that guy. Again, a player that visited this team, hit it off the receivers coach. Pick 105 in round three. Danny Gray, receiver SMU. 
I really, really like Danny Gray. I think this is arguably the best pick of the draft, uh, in my opinion, but to me, this is a really good one for San Francisco. Now, the next one is tough because the Niners need interior defensive line help. DJ Jones is gone. Now, I know Hassan Ridgeway was kind of their big DL signing, defensive lineman signing this year for the interior. I don't think he's that good, in my opinion. I think he's a depth guy, and they have Maurice Hurst there as well, which helps. Um, but, and I don't know if this player will be there in round four. He very well could be gone because teams will say there's three or four maybe NFL starting, NFL-ready interior defensive linemen, and this guy is one of them. So he may be gone by pick 134 in round four. That's Neil Farrell Jr. from LSU. If he's there, I'd take him. Simply because this draft doesn't have a lot of interior defensive line help, and and I really just think, even if Javon Kinlaw's healthy, Again, he's like kind of Ayuk. Granted, Ayuk's been healthier longer, but Kinlaw, we, we don't know what he is yet. He's been hurt. He was okay his rookie season. He showed some promise, but also was banged up. And if you're the Niners, you want to go into next year with Kinlaw and Hurst and maybe Armstead and Ridgeway? Like, that's all you got? To me, I'm picking an interior defensive lineman early simply to give me better depth this year. I don't know what Farrell will be in two or three years. He could be cut. That's all I know. But he is one of the better instant impact, instant depth pieces of defensive interior line help in this draft. The next pick, round five, pick 172. The Niners need a running back. Elijah Mitchell had his knee cleaned up in the offseason. He's already banged up, already a rookie. You don't want to have him hurt by year two. Right? You don't want to have him having nagging injuries going into year three or four, right? And you can't afford to lose him late in the year. Especially if Trey Sermon's going to do what he did last year, although I have high hopes for him coming into this year. Jeff Wilson Jr. is back, but you still need bodies. Especially if Debo Samuel doesn't want to play wide back anymore, you need bodies. Now, yes, I would like to get, I believe it's Zaire Smith from Georgia, but I think he'll go in the third or early fourth round. I don't think he'll be there in the fifth round. Maybe Isaiah Spiller from Texas A&M is here. He has very little run moves, and he, he actually is fairly quick, but my point more so with Spiller is he has an incredible one-cut move. That being said, that's kind of all he's got. The next guy, Ty Chandler, he can he's a good receiver, he's explosive, he may not be an every down back. He might be a change of pace guy. But if Mitchell and Sermon are your one and two, and you got Wilson there, I got no problem with Tyson Chandler or Ty Chandler, excuse me, uh, kind of being a an offsetting piece of a guy who can come in on third down, may, maybe get you a big run, can add some more speed and explosiveness to the offense. So pick one seventy two round five. I have Ty Chandler running back out of North Carolina. Now the next four picks. Are tough, right? Because you you're going from round you got two, three in round six, and you have one in round seven. In my opinion, picks two twenty and two twenty one, those are trade assets. I think if you want to move up, maybe you want to get in between picks one thirty four and one seventy two. Maybe you trade pick one eighty seven and two twenty one to get in between there. Again, these are you know three picks are, are in the sixth round here, and two of them are back to back. You don't need that, essentially. Um, I can easily see them moving one or two of these picks late in the draft. That being said, pick six, the first of their three picks in the sixth round. Pick 187 of the sixth round. I have them taking Jason Poe out of Mercer. Jason Poe, not only did San Francisco hold the visit with him, uh, they like him a lot. And this is a guy who I can say where, where last year they picked Jalen Moore in the fifth round. Uh, I can easily see them taking Jason Poe here, especially if Daniel Brunskill is going to play center. They can go into next year with Williams, Banks, Brunskill, Parham, McGlinchey, and you can also have 
Jalen Moore being your swing tackle guy, Justin Skule also being there, and then Jason Poe, a versatile guard who is really good in run uh, run offense and run blocking, kind of being your number two right guard. Or if you everything pans out, he can be your starting right guard in two to three years if Parham is then moved to center next season once Brunskill's contract is up. I like Jason Poe. The Niners like Jason Poe out of Mercer, so I'm picking Jason Poe out of Mercer. Round six, pick 187, Jason Poe out of Mercer. The next three picks, pick 220, 221, and their final pick, 262. Really quick here. The Niners have yet to pick a secondary piece in my mock draft. They're going to pick two in their last three picks. Their first one is Jack Jones out of Arizona State cornerback. Now, he isn't the biggest guy, isn't the fastest guy. He's a USC transfer to Arizona State. I just need depth here. He's really good in man-to-man. Not great in zone, but man-to-man, something they valued last year. Amory Thomas uh, was a better man-to-man corner in college at Michigan. Took in some time. May take Jones some time to see the field, knowing they have Ward, they have Mosley, they have Thomas, they got Lenore played last year in the nickel, uh, and they also, excuse me, they also have Dante Johnson, who played some time last year, albeit you probably don't want that as much. But I think Jack Jones can come in. He can be your sixth corner for a little bit, but I can easily see him jumping Lenore and Dante Johnson on the depth chart. And if everything pans out, he's your fourth cornerback, maybe going into 2023. I like Jack Jones in the sixth round here at pick 220. Now, pick 221... If this player was actually still in the draft, I would have picked him. Austin Stogner out of Oklahoma tight end. He ain't there. He he reversed his draft decision. He's going to to, to, uh, to USC, excuse me, to South Carolina uh, to transfer from Oklahoma. My next pick, instead of Austin Stogner, is Chase Allen from Iowa State. Another tight end from the state of Iowa. <laughs> uh, George Kittle went to Iowa, the Hawkeyes. Chase Allen went to Iowa State. This is a pure blocking tight end. He's really good playing the inline tight end, kind of playing that second left tackle or second right tackle uh, and giving you outside blocking to help in a running game or to even open up the offense for George Kittle or Charlie Warner. What's the one thing we want out of Kittle? His targets. What's the one thing Allen can do? He can alleviate Kittle in the blocking game, he needs some work. He needs some work. But the one thing he can do is alleviate Kittle in the blocking game and also give Kittle time to get open while also giving him more opportunity to get targets. I'm going Chase Allen, Iowa State, tight end at pick 221 of the sixth round. And the final pick, arguably, arguably my second favorite pick in this draft. I hate saying that to round seven, but... Pick 262, round 7, the final pick, as we know of now, currently, for the Niners, is safety Quentin Lake out of UCLA. Now look, I like Leon O'Neal Jr. Maybe you can get him in the 6th round, maybe the 5th round. People say he's a little slow. Quentin Lake, while is not Leon O'Neal Jr., Quentin Lake is extremely smart. He's not a big hitter. He's not going to play in the box and be instinctual. But what he's going to do is he's going to be the smart safety. Won't let plays get over him. He can dissect the defense. He knows where the play is going to be before it actually happens. Again, he isn't a physical you know, specimen like Isaiah Simmons or maybe other guys like Kyle Hamilton, who I'm not too high on, or Louis Sine from Georgia. But Quentin Lake is a guy you you can get late in this draft, and it's going to be an instant backup. Now, they're going to give Odom a chance to start, and Ufanga a chance to start at strong safety. If it's me, round seven, if Quentin Lake is still there from UCLA, I'm snatching him up instantly. He's a smart player. He's a young player. He's only going to get better in the best value in round seven. If Quentin Lake is there, I mean, you have won round seven. He's going to be an instant backup. And if Tavares Moore's injury continues to creep up, Hufanga, who's really good in the box, if Quentin Lake, 
who really isn't too good in the box, well, if Hufanga's in the box and Lake is your non-box, out-of-box high safety, you win. That's a good tandem there for San Francisco. Thus, I'm picking Quentin Lake, round 7, pick 262, rounding out the 49er Access 2022 NFL Draft 49ers mock. Uh, I think it's a good draft. The Niners have a lot of value here. They have nine picks. They can make a lot of moves if they want to, but if they choose not to make moves, I just gave you a detailed explanation as to why and who I'd pick at each pick. It's going to be a fun draft, an interesting draft, and I cannot wait for Thursday night round one. Pick 10 is Tebow Samuel going to be a Niner. I think he will. That being said, one, I want to thank you for listening. It's been two months. I'm happy to be back. Niner season's ramping up. Can't wait. OTAs are soon. The minicamp's coming up. But again, thank you for listening. Don't forget to follow us on social media at 49ers.access is the Instagram. 49ers underscore access is the Twitter. And use that promo code 49ersaccess, all capitals, 49ERSACCESS at SeatGeek to save $20 off your first purchase. Saving money is fun, it's cool, and in this kind of climate and economic status, anytime you can save $20, it's a win. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave a review. And until next time, hopefully it's not two months, but until next time, my name is Sterling Bennett. This has been the 49er Access Podcast, and stay faithful. Yeah. Yeah.